0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network
1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast Three Blues Three Opinions One Everton Podcast
2: Welcome to episode 166 of the Unholy Chancellor Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also fanatics, and it's it's four very happy individuals on today's podcast. It's got to be said, with Everton securing a, a 1-0 win against informed Brentford. Probably a little bit out of the blue for many. Um, but Goodison Park had its uh, its ferocious best, I've got to say, yesterday and I'd like to say we've been joined by by Sean Lund, who we're going to bring in very, very shortly. Well, Pete, I'm going to come to you first, because we, we were both there. And the most important question is, how good was it to have those sirens return before Zed Cars kicked in? Oh mate. Well, I don't know
1: about you lads, but I I um I, I heard nothing about them coming back. So you know, you do, you get a few flutters, don't you? You get a few tingles when when they play. And you know what I love about it as well? They, they give it a good go. It's it's not just a couple of sirens. They let they let it play for it must have been like four, five, six repetitions before um before Z cars kicked in. But I, I you could feel the the lift um, you know, it, it it gave the fans. You could feel a real difference because I think before that walking down, we were saying, you know, look, fans have got a big role to play today. You know, several games into Dyesh's tenure, you know, the kind of new bounce is probably starting to wear off. You know, we're c- coming after a, a slightly disappointing draw against Forest where you consider it on paper a half decent point away from home, but probably two points dropped if you watch the game. So I, I think it really helped just give the stadium a, a bit of a boost um, and get us all starting on the front foot. And then obviously what happened after about 30 seconds was... Um, was even better and what a strike it was from Dwight McNeil.
2: It, it brought away, wave I thought as you say there was no uh, prior warning that the, the sirens were coming back and when they kicked in the buzz the buzzes went all around the stadium because we've, we've been saying about trying to get these sirens back for, for quite a while now uh, we understand why they were removed by the way but you know it's just it just builds the atmosphere and you felt the ground get up then um, and like you say Pete went on he went on and then said cars kicked in and and it just felt it felt like a massively important pre-match moment for me. Where, you know, with them, whether that feeds into the players potentially, you'd argue it did, with uh, Dwight McNeil scoring so so quickly after after kickoff. Um, but it was great to get them back. And I think it, it sounds really mate you know, to, to people who who don't follow Everton, who, who aren't maybe aware of them. And it's they are so important, I think, to building the, the pre-match atmosphere when it's been a little bit sluggish. Sort of post post Arsenal, maybe post-league, has been a little bit sluggish, you think at times, but it was great yesterday to get them to get them back and and what a start. But but Sean, like like he's alluded to there, you know, fantastic start to the game. Um Dwight McNeil. Obviously, he's come in for a little bit of stick prior to Sean Dice coming in. But then you look at, at I think since Sean Dice has has come in his mind, yeah, probably one of our better players. Certainly a turn, turn around in form for Dwight McNeil, and and he's there on the spot. Sean, is been great great bit of football. A will be to the right out to out to McNeil, a little touch and fires the, the the ball into the into the top corner, and uh, really deserved for for a player who like like I say is, is turning around is is Eddie Fenton career.
0: Yeah, he's been he's been great, hasn't he? Since since Deitch came in, I think um, he knows what he knows what what to get out of him and how to get the best out of him. And, I mean, that goal yesterday is what everyone has been calling for him to do anyway. He will quite often get into them sort of positions and then fumble, stumble, trying to get it onto his right foot. And yesterday it was just, I'm just going to lift to see what happens and he, he gets something out of it. I mean, there's been chances like that against, there's the one against Liverpool where he got in the box, took a touch, then wanted another touch and another touch and ends up losing it. There's been a few like that, so hopefully he's got a bit of confidence now because there is a player in there. I think the major problem for him is that he come in and people went, "Oh, this is Richarlison's replacement," and he's not that player in the slightest. He's a completely different player. So the expectations were wrong on him a little bit.
2: I t- yeah, I totally agree. And, and we're still looking at that that Richarlison um, transfer now and looking at you know potential replacements not being brought in. But he was the one, I suppose. We look at him, Neil Mope, and it was you've let Richarlison go and you brought in these two lads. And and I think early on he was on a bit of a hide and so nothing. But he, he certainly wasn't a key feature in, in Frank Lampard's system, really. Um, he got a little bit more time as, as as his tenure went on this season, but we're obviously under Sean Dyche. A mind you who knows him, a mind you who's, who's got that trust with him, and, and a player then who fits ideally into the Sean Dice system because defensively, he's good as well. Um, and that shows yesterday because late on, when Alex Ewelly was flagging and we were, we were struggling down our, our right-hand side, he swapped the two of them over to, to say to Dwight McNeil, "You go and defend that side," and it shows you how much he, he thinks of him uh, as a player. But Lee, what, what a strike it was! You know, I, I, looking as soon as he hit that that uh, that ball, I was really be, behind him, and I said it's in as soon as he hit it because he, he's literally just driven the ball into into that top corner. um But it was it was a fantastic start to the game and a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, what a, you just mentioned there the sirens coming
3: back, which I think is, is is great in terms of taking the anxiety away from the crowd and and, and turning it into a you know a raucous atmosphere. And then what better way to start and follow that with a first shot on goal off of 30 seconds in the back of the net. Um, massive credit there for the goal, by the way, for me, goes to Iwobi as well. That can't be understated in that because it's his first time pass on the half folly Uh, You know, fizzed into Decore that basically upset the balance for Brentford. That created the space for McNeil to effectively get, you know, get time to have the shot off because, you know, he shifted it that quickly. Awobe. So it was a great first time ball into Decore. If you look at McNeil, he does that little trick every time, didn't he? He Go to jink inside and then jink back onto his left foot. He does it when he's out wide as well to try and get a yard. And he did the same for the shot, didn't he? Sort of jinked it one way and then, you know, basically got the shot off and caught. Caught both the defender and the keeper off guard. I think the keeper wasn't set, was he? And by the time he dived, it was past him. So, um, you know, massive, massive credit uh, from McNeil. I think uh, he's clearly one of those players, as Sean just said there, he's a confidence player. He's obviously got the confidence of the manager. um, And that's shown since Dice has come in. He's thrown him straight in the team. To the detriment of Gray, actually, wasn't it, initially? You know, and let's be honest, Gray's probably been one of our best players this season. I know it's not a high bar this season, but Gray, you know, Gray was certainly one of our uh, biggest goal threats, uh, and he's forced his way back in now. But um, you know, credit to McNeil there; he's shown a lot of character. Fans are starting to get on his back a little bit, um, and you know, let's not forget as well—he's still only a young lad. You know, he's, his name's been around the Premier League for a while with Burnley. Um, I think he's only was he twenty-one, twenty-two, something like that, isn't he? So he's slowly a very young lad. So really pleased for him. Um, you know, that that's two of his goals now that have basically won his six points. He scored away at Southampton, the winner, what proved to be the winner as well, didn't it? Which was a vital goal now when you look at it in terms of the scheme of the league. But um huge credit for him. Uh, and I'm I'm happy for him as well, because you know, that type of that type of goal and that type of atmosphere and that type of game um, you know, really helps getting fans on your
2: side big time, you know, after he struggled early on. It does it does and you know it, it must have been hard for him coming in um i think with the price tag they was bought for there was a it, people weren't particularly too enamored with with how much we paid for him um and like like uh like sure said obviously he was on the back of a leaving massive fans favorites uh people still calling for Richardson to 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 come back now and um, but I'm delighted for him, um, and his upturn in form has been has been noticeable. And probably outside of Seamus Coleman, I'd say they've been probably the, the two best best players in terms of performance levels under under the new manager. But but the first half in general, you know, we we move on from the goal. There was chances galore, wasn't there? I and mean, we'll come on to the to the disallowed goal in a minute, which was another farcical decision. But you look at the chances we created, Pete, and that that was I thought that was quite telling, wasn't it? Because we've Obviously, early on when when dice came in, it was very much the concentration, which is still there on set pieces. Obviously, your corners, your free kicks, and, and trying to cause havoc there, which I think we did again yesterday in, in that first half. But we played some nice football, didn't we, to actually get in to to create those those chances. And obviously, the Awobi one comes from a corner. Um, Onana's got to do better work. He's got a, a goal which is wide open, and he fires it he fires it over. But Everton is starting to to cause problems in, in open play as well. Definitely,
1: yeah. And, you know, it's, it's nice. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the second half in, in a minute because the second half is very different. But it's nice to see us get a goal and at least in the first half, not not just sit back on it. You know, we kept pushing and we continue to be aggressive. And I, I think Brentford really struggled to know how to handle us. And when we, you know, we, we haven't got a true centre forward or <clears throat> when we haven't got Calvert-Loon in that side, I think that's quite the statement, really, in terms of how well we played. You know, I thought we played quickly. I thought we played the right passes. Um, I thought it was, you know, a good transition to play. We weren't just looking to kind of overload one side. I mean, the goal kind of came from that, didn't it? started on the right and then it ends up on, you know, on the left. We move it quickly. But it's, it's just those little moments of quality, isn't it? Um, and, you know, when we, look, when we look at the balance of our midfield, you know, arguably Dwight McNeil's side, you've not got goal scorers in there, have you? You've got you've got very different types of players, you know, players that work hard, are organized, that look to kind of break up break up the play and then get going again quickly. You know, you'd say we've got a midfield of you know, of real athletic players, uh, rather than, you know, what what you might call like, you know, technical footballers. And, you know, I'm not pining after a a, a number ten, so to speak, but I think when you're so reliant on getting goals from other areas of the pitch. It, you know, we t- talked about it before on the podcast. It does put extra extra pressure on those players, and it's just those fine margins, isn't it? Like you say, the Anana chances—you um, know—he's really off balance. He's just trying to kind of hook his foot over it, and I think it's taking it both slightly over and wide. But you'd probably say, you know, it's the kind of chance that you'd expect a Premier League footballer to to put in the back of the net. Um, and little bit little moments of decision making. I mean, I thought what Sean said a moment ago was was spot on. Really, that there's, there's been times in other games where. You know, we've we maybe just not made the right decision quickly enough. And it, it was nice to see uh, when that ball came out to McNeil, just got it under control really quickly, shifted it out of his feet and panned it in, in the top bin. Um, and I, I don't think we've seen quite enough of that ruthlessness. And, you know, hopefully it will it will come over time. And, you know, I've, I've shared my view on this on the pod before. I think when you get a striker in that team, an out-and-out striker, I think it will probably have the opposite effect. It will lessen the, the, the pressure on those players. And we'll probably start to see them um, picking up another kind of one or two goals each, which I, I think will happen. Um, but I was really impressed with the first half. And yeah, we we could have easily been two or three up. I know we'll talk about the, the disallowed goal in a moment, but no, I, th- I think you're spot on. I think the, the question for us is how do we continue that in t- into the second halves? Um, I know we can't play like that for, for 90 minutes because... You know, that, that, that's a fantasy and we'd be beating every team 5-0 every week if, you know, you, you, you play 110 miles an hour like that. But I, I think that there's not enough moments like that of, of how we approach first halves in the second half of games at the moment for us. And it's bringing a lot of pressure onto us. But I know we're, we're going to come on to that in a little bit.
3: What do what you want about, Pete? Pining after a number 10? We need a lazy number 10 in there, <laughs> no, Not Not on the Sean Dice team. <laughs> You know I love a number ten, Pete. It's a dying art.
2: It's a dying art in the modern game. It, yeah, it, it is, and certainly not, not not for a sure and dice system. So you'd you'd have no chance of getting in the have the side if you had there uh, if you were twenty <laughs> years younger. That that's for sure. But I think. Years, I think really? You know, from a, a, a chances perspective, it was that that first night was fantastic to see. us cause caused so many issues, and we, we mentioned uh, the the uh, what will be chance from obviously a set piece where he scribbled and the keeper saved it. Onana, oh, the mind Drake driving at the defence on, on, on his left foot, put it near post, save by the keeper's legs. You know, it, it's good, and it was good to see us be a real attack and threat, be the better side, because, Sean, I, I can't remember in that first half, Brentford really creating anything whatsoever. There was the one cross from the wide position where, where Tony got ahead of his marker and, and his header went, went, went well wide, but, but Brentford weren't, weren't really a threat, were they?
0: No, and that that was a credit to Everton really. I, I saw a, a Brentford fan tweeting that it was um, they would have one of the only sides. Everton one of the only sides that have really physically beat them this season, like fight uh, for intensity and fight for the game and stuff. And I, that was a credit to Everton in that regard. But I think it's it's part of Sean Dyche's idea, that he knows he probably can't get 70, 90 minute performances out of this team, but he can get a good half an hour in the first half, and if he can get that, if he can get that goal in the first half, you know, first 30 minutes, first 20, first 30 seconds here, yeah, then you're given a platform to work on because this team aren't really good. Well, they did hold out yesterday, but they're not. They're, it's going to be a struggle. And if it goes into the second half and it's 0-0 or you're 1-0 down, you don't fancy this team getting themselves back in. But if they can win that fight in the first half and, you know, you get the crowds up at Goodison as well and it's exciting and you get chances, they've got a chance then. So I think we were talking about the, the second half performances aren't as good. I think that is actually part of Dage's plan at the minute. If I can get Everton in front, you know, one or two, he fancies us. Then, if we've got to chase a game, he doesn't fancy us.
2: Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with that. But we've got, you know, we can't forget, by the way, Brentford. We say, to be twelve unbeaten, the longest unbeaten run in the Premier League before yesterday, in fantastic form. I think they've won six of those games. Um, you know, the the, the looking to qualify for Europe, they, they beat it, and impressive Fulham side last weekend as well. All those factors taken into account, for Everton to come out and obviously, yeah, we won the game. But give that first half performance, I think there's a credit to both the minds, yeah, and the players. But I think that, that that early goal would have relaxed everybody. It certainly relaxed the ground. It certainly seems to relax the players. They they were comfortable knocking the ball around, playing the football, creating more more opportunities, and that that in, that intensity was 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 definitely there. But then we go to the second half. And the second half was a was a really it was night and day in terms of you know when we look at the the performances of that first forty five to the second forty five and the second forty five Lee started with Brentford creating a, a big big opportunity uh, which forced a, a great save from Jordan Pickford yet again um, and and that was a warning for for what was to come but that's a bit of a concern isn't it without well, trying to be sort of too downbeat. When you look at Forest last week as well, Evan McGregor, thought first half, deserves to go in 2-1 up. Um, we dropped off second half, and obviously we want to try to string two good halves of football together. But the concern is, like Sean mentioned then, in terms of Dice probably thinks that he can't get a, you know, a, a full 90 or a good 70 out of this side. We need a good sort of half hour to try and then get a goal. Um, does that concern you? Obviously, looking ahead a little bit, that that we obviously did drop off so much yesterday in that second half. It, it
3: does concern me because it, it's not a one-off, is it? it? It is almost a carbon copy of the Forest game, um, where you know you could make an argument in that Forest game we should have scored. We did score two in the end, but we could have scored three or four. Um, and obviously, you know, as VAR has shown again, the far side it is. It was it was definitely a penalty on Coleman. Um, and, you know, I think that was pretty much for any fan to see that. Um, But obviously the whole clear and obvious route comes up again, wasn't it? Oh, we'll go with the referee's on-field decision. It wasn't clear and obvious, and then the same thing happens with Damari Gray. You guys didn't have the benefit of watching it. Again, obviously I did, because I couldn't make the game this weekend. Um, But, you know, it it wasn't clear and obvious, the error uh, by the referee, and, and, you know, you, you can see it from the still images that no doubt you guys have seen since. It's clearly hit grey from, you know, a yard out, point blank, uh, high up on the, as, as Dice called it, the peck, um, And then, obviously, it went into the net. So, it, sh- it should have been given, really. And, and that would have really, you know, made us feel a lot more secure with, the you know, going into the second half. But, yeah, going back to your point, I, I, I do worry. And I've been sort of thinking about, is this a tactical thing, like Sean just mentioned then? Is Dice deliberately going, look, let's just go hell for leather? first half try and get that first goal and then just hang on to what we have maybe it is maybe it is a tactical thing because you know i I asked you guys off air then you know as soon as we kicked off did we drop did we drop to the 18 yard box straight away from the kickoff or were we forced back and obviously you know both yourselves and pete said you know it's a combination maybe of that and then and then obviously uh thomas frank who let's be honest, Is a really astute manager, making a few little subtle changes that uh, allowed Brentford to have a, you know, a little bit more of the ball. I listened to Thomas Frank's post-match interview and it's quite interesting. He's always been very complimentary of Everton, But I do like him as a coach anyway, and Brentford are a testament to him. But um, he, he basically turned around and said it was a game of two halves and we deserved a point. Well, there's possibly an argument to be made for that. Um, and you know they certainly created you know a few good chances in the second half. That save you're talking about from Pickford, you know, uh, from Henry, was a hell of a save, wasn't it? Uh, you know, covering his his back post. So it's, it is a bit of a worry, Mike, for me. Honestly, it really is because we can't we can't be going into games and trying to see out for forty five minutes. You know, what I mean, Carlo famously would try and do it maybe for ten fifteen, wouldn't he, and bring on the sort of third centre back. And you know, at times in that second half, we were just having aerial bombardments into the box. was crying out for subs wasn't it and the subs thing worries me he seems to wait ages and ages to make changes when we're clearly flagging in terms of legs and that's a bit of a worry uh you know i know he looks at the bench and it's not exactly littered with talent but you know it was crying out to bring on like maybe amina in there just to win headers because they were throwing everything in there and certainly when onana went off and we lose a bit of height in there as well you know and and, um second half commentary they had mcfadden on the commentary and at one point, uh, um, Brentford had a 10-minute spell of 88% possession. And Ben Mee was actually like a third striker in the box mm. during open play. You know, it wasn't just on set pieces. They were just leaving Pinnock and um, and uh, the other lad there, the back at, at Henry, with, with Damari Gray knowing full well that we weren't able to get out. So, you know, on another day, you know, uh, as well as Tarkovsky and, and Keane were brilliant, heading everything, you know, tackling everything. If you're just trying to defend your edge of your box like that, sometimes it can just take the wrong the wrong bounce of a ball or a deflection or you know luck was on our side a little bit yesterday, but against Forest it wasn't, was it? You know, the, you know, Forest managed to get a goal, a well taken goal to make it two-two, and the problem you have there, I think, if Brentford would have scored with maybe ten, fifteen to go, they've got all the momentum then, and then you know it's hard to then turn that round as an argument. They maybe could have gone on and got a third, so. As well as Dice has done since he's come in, and he's really organised us. He's got he's got the players running for him. A massive credit where that where, where you know where, where that is the case, but it does worry me that because you know you can't be seeing out games for you know forty minutes and things like that. You just you just can't. It's it's, it's asking for trouble, and you know it, we, we we got away with it yesterday, but on another day, like I said, you know if they'd have got a goal, I'd have been worried for us.
2: But on the on the point of the, the disallowed goal obviously the migrate scores a goal slap a handball looks looks incorrect it has been on the telly again then as we, as you've been talking Lee and it just looks like he's if anything it's the upper it's the shoulder which is above the the t-shirt line or whatever they use nowadays to to decipher that. It's come on him really, really quickly. Um but on that point Pete, that was the 43rd minute that when when that happens if we go in at 2-0 up then you know, the players go in with that confidence again. Um, they're riding high. They've got a couple of goal buffer and, and they feel, obviously, much better about themselves. Does Do you think that that plays into the mind of the players yesterday in terms of it should have been or could have been 2-0? It was only 1-0. You know, does that impact the, the start of the second half and then, obviously, how the second half played out? I mean, look,
1: look the, obviously, the professional football is at the highest level, but, of, you know, of course, of course it must have, um, have played some role, not not only in you know in Everton, but in, in Brentford. You know, if you're Brentford, you go in, you go in at half time, and say, look, it's only one. We could have been two down there. We we get a goal, we're back in this. We get a goal, we can win this. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and I look, the the players will know themselves that you, they've got to accept the decision. But the, the, the players will know that you know that that's something that's that's gone against them. That um, you know, particularly as the you know the, the the referee and the officials on the pitch haven't. Um, you know, haven't signalled or uh, haven't blown for it. So, yeah, you know, maybe you could make an argument that that has played a little bit of a role in maybe what's happened when we, we've kind of come out in terms of the second half. And, you know, maybe we've sat back a little bit more, gone a little bit too deep, and then maybe it's given Brentford a little bit of a lift. Um, I, I, I do completely agree with Lee's points there, though, about how we seem to be approaching second halves and how sustainable it is. and it's probably a little bit of a toxic mix at the, at the moment as well, in terms of the, the, the changes that Daesh has or hasn't got available to him. I know some fans have, some fans I think would like to see um you know, several changes, but you know again, it's, it's not championship manager, is it a football manager? I, I think in, in the real world, the more changes you make, the more it kind of destabilizes and destructures the, the team on the pitch. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, luckily it, it it didn't go against us or cost us the game, but we joked about it when VAR came in. I, I've not looked at the stats, but, you know, I, I put some money on uh, Everton being the team, or at least being in the top three of teams, that VAR is disadvantaged the most. Because <laughs> whenever we talk about VAR, it just always seems to be something, you know, absolutely daft that goes against us. I mean, how, how that can be handballed, and the one with Rodri last season w- wasn't a handball. You know, I, th- this technology was, was was brought in to to make the game fairer and quicker. And, and all it is, it's just another layer of subjectivity. It's just another thing that we've thrown in where officials can mess up or get it wrong or be biased. And I don't know how they eradicate that. But, you know, you, you just hope over the course of the season one doesn't go against you that, you know, really, really badly, um, you know, cost you where you, you know, it does lead, a, you know, a team to relegation or to, you know, to miss out on a European place or a trophy or the the, the, the league. I mean, um mean, it probably won't happen to any of them up at the top, but you know what I mean? It's, I don't know what the solution to that is and it just feels like it's going to roll on and on with VAR, but it doesn't seem to have uh, achieved what they, they brought it in to achieve.
3: Well, and until they mic up the referees and make it transparent, it's always going to be subjective, isn't it? That's the problem. Agreed. Because, you know, when, they're, when they're reviewing those camera angles, as I said, guys, you know, I've uh, been to the ground regularly, you know, they don't even show it. And then sometimes I don't know, understand why, you know, for insightful reasons, but, but they, you know they should be miking at the refs. It's not that I know Howard Webb's come in now and he's already come out and said, "Look, we need to be miking these refs up so we can hear the conversation." And that—that—that's a hundred percent. They should be doing it. Look, you know, how, how many angles have you seen
1: that goal disallowed from.
3: So what they did, they showed it from the side angle, yeah, which then it, you know which is what the camera angle was for TV, and then they showed it from from the you know front-on angle, and what they were doing, I think they were then trying to establish. Like it didn't hit him on the left arm, like Mike said, it was more on the t-shirt line, almost on the pec. But then they were then trying to see if it then rolled onto his right arm, and then kind of like dragged it into the net. But the thing is, it's like Dice said in the post-match, it was so close to him. It's not as if he goes right. If I stick my hand out here now, it's going to go in. You know what I mean, he just based, they Dave kicked it into him. So, so at the end of the day, you know, it's not as if he's used it as leverage to get the ball into the net. It's just hit him, and and it's hit him high up on the chest. So, you know,
1: have you seen one with lines?
3: No, they've not done anything with lines. They've just tried to show it from two different camera angles. The point I'm so, saying... So, so, so,
1: but but that's something I don't understand because, you know, other handball decisions, Did they, they bring the lines out, don't they, to find the so-called T-shirt yeah. line? <laughs> where, where, where are the lines? Apart from inside the official's head?
3: I, I just think at the end of the day, the, the official line always, isn't it now, with VAR, is it has to be a clear and obvious cock up by the referee, doesn't it? You know, I mean, has the referee not seen this? So you know, if the referee disallows it there's every chance then the VAR going well we'll go with your on-field decision there ref because we can't really tell from the cameras but when the referee gives it and then you know the VAR official then has to find evidence to really overrule it going well it's definitely a handball we can clearly see it's a handball and you know it, it's not clear and obvious so, so you know it, this is where they're really cocking up and making making a mockery of themselves with this because they should be able to say, "Well, look, we'll go with your on-field decision now," because we can't really tell where it's hit Damari. You know what I mean? And and even the way, look, I know players are going to run off and celebrate anyway, but you know, you can tell if a player is sheepish. You know what I mean? And and I think Damari, I know obviously there wasn't a big kickoff afterwards, but they don't help themselves massively with this. They really don't, you know. And and the sooner they get them mic'd up, it takes that subjectivity away. Then because then if they can hear them saying, "Look, turn the camera angle on. Let's see it straight on." Well, look, we're thinking maybe his right arm, actually. Well, is that definitely clear? Well, we don't know. You know, that's the conversation we need to hear. And the ground needs to hear that as well, not just on TV, by the way. The ground needs to hear that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, football, I know it's become a TV sport nowadays with all the money in it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's still a game for fans to go to. They need to know what's going on. And it, it's, still, it's still utterly farcical. And, you know, we seem to get it wor- get it wrong more so than other leagues in Europe as well, which drives me mad. But the point is, like Mike said, you know, it, it, it would have been 2-0. You go in at half-time, you're thinking, well, they're going to have to score three now. Protecting a two-goal lead, obviously, you know, with, with the way Dice sets up, you'd fanciest. Uh, and, they'd, you know, half an hour into the second half, they still haven't scored. They're probably going to lose a little bit of interest as well, so anyway the point is you know we got over the line but on another day if that would have cost us i think it would have been you know it would have been world war three and we're already we're already kicking off um at the referee association at the minute anyway about so many things but luckily it didn't affect us um and we'll we'll take the points but going back to your original point mike it'd be interesting what you think sean actually i know you mentioned there where you think it's definitely the way dice is setting up here um Do you genuinely think it's a conscious thing that he just goes, right, 45 minutes, we're just going to protect what we've got, sure.
0: I don't know if it's a case of we'll protect what we've got for 45 minutes, more a case of we haven't got enough in the tank, maybe ability-wise, fitness-wise, I don't know, to go like we were for the first half an hour, 45 minutes for a whole game. I mean, there's there's very few sides who could do that anyway, but Everton definitely aren't one of them. And I, I think he thinks there's not enough in there in the squad for them to maintain that sort of thing, you know, and go make it 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, whatever whatever it is. So if they get a goal and the 1-0 up, he probably has a look and sees Anana oh, no, lagging a little bit. is starting to get out a bit gassed, you know, McNeil's looking a bit knackered on the wing, so a let's drop it off, let's lose a bit of that intensity and try and protect what we've got rather than, you know, going Gunko and then Brentford go, right, well, we've got you know, Because I think it is also a case of... The players he's got in the squad, it means he hasn't got a plan B. So once a side, like Brentford, who were very clever, they are, Frank's a very good manager, they've, they've got clever players, they've got a good system. Once they work out, all right, we know what you're doing, now you're going to go direct, you're going to go right at us, we'll play around you. And you started to see that in the second half when Brentford get the ball at the back, Everton had pressed him a little bit, and he'd ping it round a couple of passes, and then it'd be a long ball and he'd be in. So I think there is a, there's a, an acknowledgement from the management, definitely, that there's not enough in there for him to get Everton playing like Lampard probably wanted them to play where you know, it was we'll keep the ball we'll pass it around and we'll try and be clever with it Deitch knows there's going to be times where we need to suffer and that's probably the way to keep us up
2: it's funny though isn't it because you know people around me you're probably the same um, people scream to make changes don't they uh, because you saw Brentford a couple of times yesterday I think they made a double substitution twice and um, they made four or five subs over the course of the game and the same, we discussed this about Forest last week. You know, you, you look at that game and it was crying out for fresh legs. So we looking around, the, the quality is not on the bench. You know, obviously we've got James Garner coming, coming back. Calvert-Lewin's very, very close. Uh, Patterson was, was at the ground yesterday from, from what from what I, I saw. Um, so he was probably close to being in the squad. So the, there is a bit of quality returning to, to the squad. But obviously the manager looks around and thinks there's, there's no one really I can bring on. Who's like we said earlier on, a like for like who can probably maintain the quality that we do have, but sometimes there is just a call for fresh legs. You mentioned mean League, you know, potentially because there was a bit of a, a bombardment throwing Yerry on for the 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, obviously, Tom Davis and, and Neil people were the ones who got the nod yesterday. You could argue we probably needed a, an Ellis seems like we did against Leeds. You know, we came on to, to decent effect against Leeds, I thought. And, and with them pushing for an equaliser, he was more involved with the game, there was a little bit more space. Uh we, we needed something especially up top because the ball at that point wasn't sticking. The Mari Gray was was knackered, Alex Awobi was knackered, Onana is clearly injured. Um for me, you know we mentioned he's nursing and the injury. I think it's difficult for him to get through a full 90. Um the core rate runs and runs and runs, but eventually, you know, he, he runs out of runs out of gas. So we just need sometimes to make a change just to bring us some some more energy onto the pitch because that 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 can be the difference in in winning three points and and, and dropping a couple of points and seeing a game out just having someone you know two or three players who can come on you can you can press you can hurry you can then look to look to maintain and manage the game effectively to to make sure we we, we get the three points I don't, I don't know what you think about that um yeah
3: I know I I totally agree with that. And there's an argument to say, and I thought about this during the week. There's an argument to say you should have brought on another another defender when we were under the cosh against Forest as well. Do you know what I mean? You clearly see they were having the upper hand again second half. Uh, I know they didn't. Pickford wasn't called into action a lot, but we certainly weren't carrying a threat going the other way. And I keep on referring to it, but you know, do the Carlo sub, then bring another centre half on crowd. I think if you bring another centre half on crowd, the box out there. There's, I know we lost the ball in transition, but then you know we've got so many bodies still behind the ball. Does Johnson get the space he needs then in the box? You know, just to score that lovely finish with his left foot. So, yeah, I mean, look, who are we to question him? He's done well since he's come in. He's clearly got a style of play, um, you know. And you know, going off Sean's point, I do agree with that. You know, he, he clearly knows now we have to score the first goal uh, in order to, to to effectively have any chance of winning the game, and. You know, you look at Villa the week, again, similar sort of performance, wasn't it? Again, arguably the better side, arguably looked like the side that was most likely. And then, unfortunately, you know, we um, you know, we concede the first goal to a penalty. We score that first goal, we probably go on and beat Villa as well. So, it, it, it's clearly, you know, he, he clearly sees uh, where the strengths and weaknesses are with the team. But I do think, you know, I, I jokingly said on Twitter the other day, you know, Dice has never managed since we've had the five subs rule. Does he st- still think we've only got three subs? You know what I mean? So, um I do I do think, you know, there's an argument to say as well. James Garner was on the bench yesterday. Um, he's played quite a few minutes in the 23s to get back at it. There's an argument to say, you know, why not bring him on for 10 minutes either? Let's see what he's got. You know what I mean, he's clearly got legs. because We've seen him in the little bits we have seen of him. He likes to get put a tackle he likes to get around the pitch. He's clearly a good passer of the ball. He likes a shot. You know, personally, I'd, I'd probably prefer him to come on instead of Davis. I think most people would probably agree with that because Tom can be a bit of a liability with his decision-making. Um, but yeah, you know, look, at the end of the day, we got over the line. But I'd, I'd, the reaction would have been very different, wouldn't it, if we'd have conceded whilst trying to defend like the Alamo. Um, and if we'd have conceded a goal, then it would have been another draw, and potentially another two points drop like against Forest. I think we'd be having a very different conversation right now, wouldn't we?
0: Yeah,
2: we, we would. We would, and you know, we we mentioned the chances that they had. Obviously, the Pickford save, and there was one Dwight McNeil cleared off the line, and Pickford's come up for a corner, missed it. And um, it's going towards towards goal, and luckily, I think at that point we had two men on the post, which is a, a thing you don't see very often nowadays. That takes me back to Sunday League football. That one having having two men on the post, but luckily we did. And Dwight McNeil was there to to clear the ball. So you know they didn't have a raft of chances, but when when a team has, you mentioned they uh, over eighty percent possession in a ten minute period, the pressure builds, and, and you're likely then to to crack You, you know. You're giving them more opportunity to create at least one chance to, to score a goal, but you know, we, we the positives are we, we we saw the game out, we, we beat the most informed or one of the most informed sides in the Premier League side. They were they were got quick players, they're dangerous. You know, you've got in, an informed striker in, in Ivan Tony. Um, surprised he didn't win a penalty, he was close at one point, wasn't he? Was at the edge of the box where they got, they got a free kick. Um, but it, it's a fantastic win and one maybe many Evertonians didn't expect to get. So, you know, when we're looking down the fixtures and we're looking at where we're going to pick up points, many saw that as, as potentially draw as as the best outcome. We've picked up three points. And like I keep on saying, you know, it doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter who anyone plays, as, as Bournemouth showed yesterday. You know, Liverpool beat United 7-0 one weekend to get beat by who were bottom of the table. Bournemouth yesterday, so it doesn't matter. The sides are going to win games. The sides are going to lose games in and around us. We're going to do exactly the same. Um, we're just going to make sure that we 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 do more in, with our with our fixtures that that are remaining.
3: I will say I was my, and all of us were in unison with this. I, you know Tony, with you know admitting to this betting scandal, um, you know should have been banned uh, before they played us. But now they're playing Southampton next. I'm all I'm all happy for him to play. By the way, now until, <laughs> until, until, no, until the end of the until the end of the season. Now we've played him and he hasn't scored against it like he usually does.
2: Yeah, I'm happy for it to wait until the end of April. Listen, there'll be a banning coming this week. Don't you worry about that? Yeah,
3: before Southampton. Know, Frank's already come out and said he wants a reaction, so hopefully that's in our favour when they play Southampton in midweek. Um, but no, Mike, you're right there. I think you know, um, Tony's vital to where way they play as well, isn't he? And, and he you know, I thought we marshalled him really well yesterday on the whole. You mentioned about that header chance he had in the first half. Great, great cross by Damsgaard. That is a hell of a cross. And um, he's nudged Keane a little bit to get a yard, and he probably should have scored, really. You know, it's come off the side of his head. So we got away with one there. But um, look, you know, for for all that, I'm I'm not trying to be overly critical in terms of, you know, the the way we were second half, even though it's sometimes very hard to watch. You know, you've you've got to give massive credit to to, to Dyson since he's come in. You know, he's managed to get the players organised. We've pretty much been in nearly every game, other than maybe you'd probably say Arsenal, who ran away with it in the end at their place. Um, But, you know, credit where it's due. He's galvanised the side, he's picked up points. Um, And, you know, I'd probably arguably say now, be interesting what you guys think. We we probably need, what, four wins now to confirm it, really? Four wins out of the next 11 games, you reckon?
2: I don't you know what I don't want to sit there and try and work it all out. I'm I'm literally taking one game at a time. I'm just trying on you not to look any further than than the week than the next week. I've got to be honest because we, that's when you get ahead of yourself and you think, oh, we can pick up points here and there. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who, who anyone plays. Um every, you know, every side is capable of beating everybody. We've proven we can beat the top sides in Arsenal. We picked up a point away at Manchester City. Um Bournemouth have beaten Liverpool. You know, you've you've seen some of the sides down the bottom win win some some really really difficult difficult games. So I'm not even looking at it. You would probably argue, yeah, four wins. That's twelve points on top of what we've got. Thirty-seven. Maybe the odd draw to take us to was it we got, was the thirty-nine we got last we got last season. We have got some difficult games in there. Well, I know we have, but it's one game at a time. Goodison Park is going to be massively important. Massively important. The signs have got to stay. I think the, there's a universal agreement to that. Um, and Gozo Park has got has got to do its bit, but we've got to, We've got to also look to to win a game on the road for, with with what's remaining. Uh, that that is that is for sure. Um, but don't I suppose, come, the,
0: sorry, I, suppose the, I suppose the hope is the road won by by, by, by uh, VAR now. So we might get a decision along the way and a little more, more than one.
2: Rule more than one. I'm ruled about buddy, uh, about twelve points here this season now on the back of VAR. But you're right. You know, if people say that these things level themselves out. Let's hope in some capacity we do and um, we get one over the next the next uh, no four, five, six games or so. But you, listen- you know,
0: just, just talking about that, sorry, just to go back to, to that decision. I think the frustrating thing is all of our conversation, as we've just said, about the second half is completely different if that goal is given. Because it gives Everton a greater platform, they can do what Deitz wants to do and sit on Sun. So even if you do concede, you know, you you you're still safe, you're still a goal ahead, they've got to score three, like you said. It, it, that whole decision changes that game yesterday for me, and it, it's nonsense, isn't it, that we've got to then talk about it and go, what's going on? We can see that's clearly fine. Because, I mean, I, I was looking at it, and my understanding of handball was, are you gaining an advantage by using your hand? How is he gaining any advantage there when the ball's blasted at him from a yard away? He's not made his body bigger, he's still tucked in. It's just nonsense. I mean, even the replay, I saw of hit him on the Premier League badge. If that's mm. not on the sleeve, then... <laughs> or, it, it's just it's crazy and it, it it is funny that our whole conversation now is dependent on that whereas Everton could have been 2-3-0-4-0 winners yesterday if that goal was given so it, it's funny and you, you talk about the decision like stuff that's to come you don't know what's going to happen there's going to be stuff like that in between now and the end of the season so hopefully like you say it it equals itself out
2: and I, I wouldn't count on it though unfortunately but you know, you're totally right in what you say, it, it, the the way that these these laws are interpreted, and, and it, is, it is interpretation, and interpretation differs from one week and one decision to the next, and that's that's the big the big concern. But for once, he actually did show the still on the screen yesterday for the handball. Um, obviously, it's very very difficult to to really gauge it on the screen. I've got to be honest with you. There was no no real dissent in, in the in the crowd, but a hard time when you were looking online, on Twitter, and you, and you were seeing, you were seeing, obviously, footage and, and uh, photographs and stills. Things things changed, but um, the manager said himself, you know, we couldn't quite believe it, that, you know, that it, was, it wasn't it was given. Uh, but listen, is what it is. Three points in the bag, a massive three points for us uh, against a very, very good side who were, were pushing for European football. But the games don't get any easier, of course, and uh, the next game in line for... Uh, for the blues is a, a difficult trip next uh, next Saturday. Half past five kickoff as we we travel to, to Stamford Bridge, and we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Cynicity Podcast. And we head to Stamford Bridge next. Um a notoriously difficult hunting ground for, for us. Uh we got a great one all draw there last season under under Rafael Benitez when we had about about uh five first team players fit and, and all the kids played but Jarrett Bramthwaite scoring a, a good goal uh, in that fixture. Um, but always a difficult task to go to Stamford Bridge. Everton generally do suffer there. And Chelsea have, have turned a little bit of a corner in, in recent weeks, that's for sure. Beat Leeds last weekend, then, then go on to beat Dortmund in the Champions League and then get a, a good win away at Leicester by, by three goals to one uh, yesterday. So, Pete, it's it's never easy going to Chelsea. Of course, um, I would argue it would have been much better going to play them a few weeks ago when there, there was a bit more pressure on Graham Potter. But tough game, isn't it? They're, they're in good form now.
1: Yeah, ma- massively. Like like you say, it just seems like we're playing them at completely the wrong time because they, they seem now to have hit that kind of upward uh, trajectory and they're starting to click. And they've just got some unbelievable players, haven't they? I mean... Don't, don't forget they've got a Yang in that squad who's not getting a sniff who's not getting anywhere near it uh, and I know, I know there's various complicated reasons for that but I, I think it, it's testament to the the quality they've got and they've just continued to invest in spite of having him available and it just says everything about the the, the kind of power a club like that has um, I, I've watched several of their games that have been on Sky I watched them against West Ham and they could have been about four 0 up in that first half, and I think even when they were losing games, they weren't playing badly. They were, you know, it was just that, again small moments where things hadn't quite gone their way, or you know, goals disallowed. And I think that the moment they seemed to concede, that they would fold a little bit, whereas they seem to have a little bit more steel now. And I, th- I think that Champions League win for them was absolutely massive. Um, because that you know that was re- that was a really tough game and I think if Potter would have lost that arguably he, he would have gone because he was like you say he was under an awful lot of scrutiny but he seems to have got a big response from the players um I mean that that Jao Felix it lo- looks like the real deal I don't think we've seen the best of him yet um but he looks like a really neat clever footballer um of course, uh, I can never say his name. That is Mudrick, that that they bought from. Uh, well,
2: from yeah. yeah. Lee's, Lee's favorite player. Yeah, but I,
1: I, but again, you know, from, from the snippets you see of him, I know that they're, they're trying to manage his minutes. But looks like the real deal. Looks like he's he's going to be a real player for them. And it will be a really really tough game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll need probably a lot of luck. We'll, we'll need to you know, start the game well. Um, and I think that the worry is our legs, isn't it? I, I think the way that we've been having to approach games and set up has been so aggressive um, and, and, you know, so full on. You can see it's starting to take a bit of toll on the players. And I think you made a really good point yesterday, Mike, about like squad rotation. That You know, m- maybe with you know, slightly greater options, let's say, in, in, in terms of team, um, you know, th- diversity of choices for places, you might be rotating players like, you know, Alex Iwobi, Anana, um, j- just giving them maybe a game or two off or managing their minutes a little bit more. And we're not able to do that. And I, th- I think fans need to take that into into perspective when, you know, we we go away to places like Arsenal or Chelsea where, you know, not only if you've got to work really, really hard physically, but it's like the mental concentration, isn't it, of having to defend solid, solid, solidly for you know, ninety-five minutes. You know, w- watching your space, watching your positioning. Um, you know, defending from the front. It's it, it's such hard work. Um, so I'm hoping we can get something out of the game. I hope I'm hoping we can start well, get through the first half hour. Cause, I mean, the Arsenal game I think is a really good example, isn't it? For you know, for thirty minutes or so, we, you know, we were great. You know, I think we 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 started to make it really difficult for Arsenal, and it's it's just. The kind of one or two lapses of concentration or that and that's all it can take isn't it if you give these teams a moment and they get ahead you you can be in for a really difficult um a really difficult game so you know let's hope that things things unfold kindly for us
3: comes down to quality doesn't it Pete I mean we we shut Arsenal out for 40 minutes they didn't even test Pickford really in that time and then you know a, a, a brilliant touch from Saka onto his onto his weak foot and then rifles it past an international keeper top corner like it's nothing. You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. those, those types of quality win you games. I think, you know, if we'd have had, you know, dare I say it, you know, a bit more quality in our team more recently, even the likes of Richarlison and people like that, I think we'd have picked up probably the full points at Forest. Maybe the points at Villa when we were on top. We just needed that little bit of quality when you're on top to put it in the back of the net. And, you know, Chelsea are just uh we've talked about how they've managed to get away with it. or well, we know the app because they've been doing these eight, nine year contracts. Uh, I, I genuinely think, you know, I feel for Potter in a way because Bowley's just gone, you know, on an absolute spending spree, like he's playing champ manager. And, you know, literally they'll, they'll leave training on a Friday during that window and come back with five players on a Monday. You know what I mean? It was, it was absolutely unbelievable. And, um, you know, he's now starting to get a bit of something out of them. But, you know, you watched that Leicester game yesterday and I've seen bits of it and you look at the stats, you know, Leicester had nearly double their XG. Leicester would need three XG compared to Chelsea's and Chelsea obviously ended up winning 3-1. So, you know, don't don't look into that and think, you know, they've gone to, to Leicester and absolutely hammered them. They haven't, you know what I mean? Le- Leicester, you know, should have probably got something out of that game and they were unlucky not to. Certainly at 2-1 before Chelsea got the third on the counter. That, you know, Leicester were... We're, we're, we're definitely worthy of a point at least. Um, but you're right. That European game, Mike, is massive. That, that's lifted the whole club. You know how they've managed to get through into the quarterfinals there um, against you know a decent Dortmund side who were on a good run as well. Albeit again, luck was on their side because I don't know whether you've seen it. There's you know Jude Bellingham have every right to be fuming after after the game the way they gave gave that penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, the point the point is you know. I still think we can get something there. Chelsea have got their frailty still. You know, they're not fully solid at the back. They've lost their talisman in Thiago Silva. I absolutely love think He's a top top centre-half, has been a top centre-half. Still ridiculously good for his age. Um, and, you know, if we if we play the way we have been, we've got a week to sort of rest now, you know, see off a couple of niggling in, in, injuries, things like that. And I think we can go there with a bit of confidence and try and get a point. Every game's vital now. I know Pete said we could look, arguably look to to rest players, I don't think we can, um, because you know we've got 11 games left. We've got to basically put our best 11 out there every single week now, haven't we, no, no matter what. I and mean, It's not as if we're blessed with Chelsea's riches. Uh, the Aubameyang thing is an absolute farce, by the way. We'd have him at Everton all day right now. He'd walk straight into the team. He'd walk into a lot of teams, but the fact he's not even in a 25-man squad for Europe t- says it all, doesn't it? Um, but let's see, Zhao Felix is the one for me. He's the one to worry about. He's 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 a real talent and he's given them something different in that side. The way he picks the ball up in the spaces and you know, the way he to picks the ball up on the half turn, drives at players. He was unlucky not to score yesterday at the post with a ding. Um so yeah, it, it's You've just got to hope it follows a similar pattern to Arsenal, where we shut them out um, and, and we try and carry more of a threat on the counter. Um, because if we do concede first against a team of that, you know, with that many players in it uh, of that quality, then you know we're up against it. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I think we can get some in. I genuinely do. I don't know what everyone else thinks.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's obviously it's a difficult game, um, and you, you mentioned a few players there, the quality that they've got, whether it be. Mundzik, Jiao Felix obviously have a, scored a lovely goal yesterday. Uh, really, really well worked. Kovacic scored a scored a fantastic goal. And um, they just got quality throughout throughout the side. And w- when you make so many signings, it's always going to take a long time for these players to one bed in if they come from outside the Premier League, or two to actually become to become a team. Y- you can have a team full of individuals that don't function as well. As a as a an actual team of a less less ability who play as a team and that's what Chelsea are probably finding at this moment in time it's you know new manager um, a lot of new players from from both obviously the summer and and obviously the January transfer window so it's it's a difficult difficult thing to actually try and do is you know the same Graham Potter to actually build a side that becomes competitive in su- in such a short space of time. Um, and if if they want to if they want to become competitive, they've got to give the manager time. They have because the quality is there. They've got a lot of players that can hurt us, especially. We'll they'll go there and probably set up exactly the same way we did against Arsenal. Um, like we said, you know, the first sort of forty minutes or so, Everton were fantastic in that game and did everything the manager wanted, but then capitulated and, and went in went in two 0 down at half time. Um, but it, it's going to be going to be a really difficult, difficult game anyway. Um, but but Sean, what, what what are your thoughts? Have you got a, the, the confidence that Lee Lee has where he thinks maybe we could nick a point
0: there? I, I think it's certainly possible. Yeah, I mean I don't. Uh, Chelsea are improved, but they've they've still got those frailties that can be exploited if, if you, and I actually trust Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche loves these sort of games where his team can be the underdog, you know, and they can. They can play to their strength sort of thing, and I think the key for Everton is that he don't do anything stupid. It, it it's a mistake against Arsenal that loses them the game, and they end up losing it like that. It's you know, and it's something that's riddled this team for a long time. As individual errors put them behind, and on the back foot, and they haven't got the quality to get back into games. So it it's one of those games where if if Deitch has his system right, he can probably frustrate Chelsea and they'll be as an. They'll struggle then because they're not a team who can deal with that frustration. For me, yeah, it's it's still a young team. They're still adapting to Dyer to Potter. You know, there's not like a clear system where it works at the minute. And I think if everyone can frustrate them, they haven't got the quality that Arsenal had to break that down.
2: It's, well, it's funny you mentioned the 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 age side of things because Chelsea's average age at the start of 11 yesterday was 25 and, and a half years of age. We were over 28. Yesterday, which which shows yet yeah, obviously that the, the golfing and maybe experience experience in the Premier League, especially, um, so there is a lot of young players there that have that have been brought in, um, obviously like Conor Gallagher as well, who spent a bit of time out out on loan. He's, he's now, featuring more more heavily, um, so I think the fans have still got nerves in the around Stamford Bridge. There's still there still are are concerns in terms of the consistency of of this side and. Like we said, we've seen them turn, turn a bit of a corner, and that that win in Europe in midweek is is massive for them. Gets them into the into the quarterfinal. Um, I mean, they're currently they're currently sitting in in tenth, which is you know this Chelsea side considering what they have spent, and you know like I said, a little bit of justification is that they've brought in so many players, but to sit to sit in tenth below the likes of of Newcastle, Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, and I'm sure. Even at the start of the season, the uh, the goal was not to be finishing mid-table. Their goal is to be finishing in those those Champions League, those Champions League spots.
0: Um, you but- you know, it, it, it's interesting that the I think they might actually throw the league in and just go for the Champions League at this point. They've done yeah. it before. It's something that 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 they'd be happy to do. So that might play into Everton's favour as well. After that win in Dortmund, I think the the squad might be looking around now going. No, what? Actually, the Champions League not that great this year. We might have a chance. Why not go for that rather than trying to drag them points back to get to fourth, which is near on impossible.
3: That's not a bad point, that Sean. I think they made it th- it's, their own, it's definitely their only route back into the Champions League now, and they've done this before when they've changed the manager, haven't they? And Tuchel came in halfway through a season and, and and ended up going on to win the Champions League, which was a bit of a shock at the time. Um, but yeah, it's a weird team because obviously you know we, we, we could be a bit unlucky really here because we're playing them at kind of like the wrong time and the fact that they're a little bit buoyant now. It was only a few weeks ago and they lost at home to Southampton, didn't they? In a game that you know none of us thought was going to happen, let alone Chelsea fans. Um, you know they, they lost to Spurs then away. After that, they lost to Dortmund in the first leg. So you know they were really on a on a bad run. You know they were struggling to score goals. They didn't score goals in either of those three games that they lost. And as you said, Mike Potter was coming under it. Um, but then, anyone who knows football, I mean, you know, they can't bring in that many players and then expect Potter, who has a certain style of play, to suddenly wave a magic wand and have him play in, you know, Brazil 1970s football. It just doesn't happen. So um, he's going to need time. And um, by all accounts, that, you know, they will give him time and, and rightly so. Because one of my biggest bugbears in modern football is that managers just, just get turned over like, like nobody's business these days. Um, well, I'm sure a lot of them don't complain, because so they walk away with quite a big paycheck. But um, you know, I'd like Potter to be given time there. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of Chelsea as a club, I do like Potter, and I like the way you know what he stands for, and he seems like a really good guy. Um, but yeah, they've won three on the spin. Uh, that that Champions League game uh, to get to the quarters will massively lift them, and it showed that against Leicester. That that's definitely a game they would have lost if they you know if it was a few weeks before on that run. But um, like I said, look, if we can frustrate them, and the key is for me just carry the goal threat. You know, certainly on set pieces, I think we can. I think you know, we may struggle to create loads from open play over there, um, and our record there isn't isn't great at all. But um, I think set pieces, as Branthwaite showed last season. I think Tarkovsky and, and Keane, who seems to be getting on the end of a few things, he had a chance again yesterday, didn't he? Um, I think I think you know we we can we can definitely hurt them on, on set pieces, but let's see how it plays out boys but you know it's, it's another game that if we can just get something from it it just adds it uh, to, to the points tally
2: correct you know any any point is a bonus point um i think traveling to stanford bridge because it's it's such a, a difficult place to go historically for us so anything we get there i think it would certainly be seen as as a as a bonus in terms of when, when people are looking at fixtures and where we're going to pick up points i think a point there would be would be really, really helpful and a, and a, a really, really solid performance, to, to be honest. But let's let's finish off with a, a round of predictions if we can. Pete, what are you saying? Chelsea next week, half five, Stamford Bridge.
1: I'm going to go for a, an optimistic but boring nil <laughs> nil.
2: I take it every day of the week. Sean, what are you saying? I think I'll go 1-1. Lee, Hasica Rose. Yeah, I'm
3: going to say one all as well. I think it's going to be a set-piece. Um, look, if we can nab a win, I mean, that'll be a massive shot in the arm. But I think it's a big ask in the fact that, like I said, they seem to have turned a little corner recently. Um, so I'm going to go 1-1 one, one as well.
2: I'll go in with a nil nil as well, I think. And uh, get out of there quick. I'll, I'll take it every day of the week. I think it's going to be backs against the walls a little bit. Very much like that Arsenal performance. If you can do the first 40 minutes over 90, that uh, like we did against Arsenal, then we, we'll come away with something. It's, it's whether the players can can play that way and be be that disciplined for that length of time. Um, you know, players are going to have to be wrapped in cotton wool yet again to to, to get us to get us through. Calvert Lewin may be involved. He was very very close yesterday to being involved in the squad. Whether he chooses to to throw him in prior to this international break is is another matter um But maybe, and I don't mean start by the way. I mean just, just beating and around the squad. But I think him coming back in will give everybody a bit more of a lift as well. Brings a little bit more quality to to what's available to to the manager. But well, but well, fingers crossed. We we're going to be in a have a positive week anyway. After uh, Everton with with a one nil win yesterday, have have certainly picked us all up and given us something to smile about. And that is going to be us for this week. Sean, appreciate you spending some time this this Sunday morning coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Always appreciate you coming on and, and enjoy the conversation as ever. And we will be back ourselves next week. Lee, Lee's over in Turkey again. He's off doing his Judith Chalmers impression, uh, trying to play like like Rory McIlroy, but uh, we'll play like Rory McGrath on the uh, on the greens over there. So we'll be without Lee next week. Um, but we'll be back ourselves next Sunday, as usual, to look back on that Chelsea game. Uh, so we will catch you then.
1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast.
2: Three Blues. Three Opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.